Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Danielle Lois, and I will be reading John chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Six days before Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, home of Lazarus, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Lazarus and his sisters hosted a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who joined him at the table. Then Mary took an extraordinary amount, almost three quarters of a pound, of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She anointed Jesus' feet with it and then wiped his feet dry with her hair. The house was filled with the aroma of the perfume. Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was about to betray him, complained, this perfume was worth a year's wages. Why wasn't it sold and the money given to the poor? He said this not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. He carried the money bag and would take what was in it. Then Jesus said, leave her alone. This perfume was to be used in preparation for my burial. And now she has used it. You will always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Danielle, thanks for reading for us uh, the scripture today. We appreciate you doing that. You know, last week, uh, Pastor Dale preached, and he uh, asked a really important question in his message. How's your bracket? Right? I mean, I would have, yeah, I, I, I kind of pegged Kansas as a final four early early on, but but Carolina, wow, they've really come on. Um, <laughs> I knew somebody. Yeah, I know. And yes, y'all beat my alma mater last night. Yes, I know. I'm aware of that. <laughs> so respect. Respect for Carolina. But then tonight, I mean, the women's final, uh, UConn and South Carolina, that's going to be an awesome game. I mean, it's March Madness, right? It's just, it's just fun to watch. Love watching basketball. Um, and, and when you're watching basketball, there's all, there's all kinds of gesturing that goes on, right? I mean, there's all kinds of gesturing going on. Sometimes it's the, the point guard coming down, bringing the ball down, and raising, raising a hand. You know, this is the play we're going to run. He does that, or she does that, and they know, oh, that's what we're going to do. They have some idea of what that is. Or they, or they show the coach on the sideline, and the coach is going, trying to, like, settle down, slow down, <laughs> chill out, man. And, or, or the coach is doing this, you know, like, run, run, run. A lot of gesturing. And certainly the fans are doing a lot of gesturing. Along the way, sometimes they can show that on TV, sometimes they can't. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of gesturing going on. And you might be, if you're a fan, you're sitting at home and, and you hit that big three-pointer, arms shoot up, you can't help yourself, you know, or, or you blow an easy layup. and All these gestures that we make. A lot of our gestures in life are reactive, right? Kind of like that. Those are mostly reactive gestures. And, and if someone sees you on the street and they wave at you, well, you wave back. That's a gesture of greeting, right? There's also gestures that have a lot deeper meaning to them. Um, you're getting to a re- the door of a restaurant at the same time as somebody else, and when you get there, you reach over and grab the handle and open the door for them so they can go in first. I mean, that's a, that's a gesture of courtesy, uh, a gesture of I'm putting somebody up in front of me because they're going to get their name on the list before you. It's a, it's a nice gesture. 
you have a friend who's going through uh, treatment, they're recovering from an injury, they've had a death in the family, and you send flowers as a gesture, right? Now, now here's, here's the thing about gestures. Most of the time, gestures can't fully carry the weight of everything we wish could happen. Because when we send flowers to somebody, what we really wish is that they could somehow just really take away their pain. We wish it could take away their pain. And, and, and a bouquet of flowers or a potted plant, is, it won't take away all their pain, but it'll take away their pain for a little bit, right? It's a gesture, and it's helpful. Well, here's, uh, uh, there is actually a whole area of study academically about gestures, philosophically. It's really kind of interesting. So here's, here's this little short uh, definition of a gesture. Now, this is just from Wikipedia. This is not from one of the academic books. A gesture is our normal procedure to embody vague ideas in singular actions with a general meaning. Now, if you can tell me what that means, <laughs> right? I mean, but in a sense, that's kind of how crazy it is. It's kind of like, well, the importance of a gesture, I mean, it communicates something, and because we, we intend it to communicate something, but sometimes you do a gesture, and you're intending to communicate something really good, and the other person takes it the other way. Because there's always the interpretation on the part of the person receiving the gesture. So it's, it's, a, it's a, one of those interesting, fuzzy areas of uh, philosophical conversation. Uh, but this scripture passage is full of gestures. I do want to address first, though, the, the very last thing that was read, that, that statement by Jesus, you will always have the poor with you, you will, not always, you will not always have me. Now, I don't know about you, but I've heard that that passage used before when people just kind of throw up their hands and say, why do we even help the poor? It doesn't do any good. If you give money, they're going to spend it the wrong way. If you trust them with this, they're going to ruin it. Jesus himself said, poor are always going to be here, so yeah. Well, that's taking a statement of Jesus and using it in a way that is completely counter to the teaching of the Bible from the beginning to the end. Part of, part of what the teaching of the Bible all the way through is to be somebody, to be considered, I'm part of, of the people of God, then the teaching is then you will do things to take care of the poor. It might mean handing, yeah, giving money to somebody. It might mean delivering furniture through Bedstart. It might mean doing the food distribution at Malvern. It might be all kinds of other things, but a way to help the poor because it's a gesture that doesn't fix everything about their life. But it matters. The point is, is that to be faithful to who God calls us to be, and maybe this will give relief even for a little while. And that's what we do. So we have to make sure we don't take that verse and turn it the wrong way. Because, because you know, Jesus, generally when he was speaking, is connecting to something that we would find in the Old Testament which was his, of course, the law, the books of the law and the prophets in Jesus' time, that he would have heard, read in the synagogue every week, that he would have studied himself, he would have known these. And so generally, the statement he makes connects to something in the Old Testament. And so this connects to Deuteronomy chapter 15, which is a section where Moses is talking to God's people and providing them instruction and teaching for what it means to be God's people. And in Deuteronomy 15, verse 11, it does say this, Poor persons will never disappear from the earth. 
But it's just saying that in a descriptive way. That for all time and in every place, there's always been those who were at the low end of the economic scale. There's always been those that, that will never go away. And you have to keep reading the verse. Yes, poor people will never leave. That's why I'm giving you this command. You must open your hand generously to your fellow Israelites, to the needy among you, and to the poor who live with you in this land. Strong words. This command. So friends, giving for others, again, not just handing out cash, but whether it's food, whether it's coats for kids who can't afford coats, whether it's whatever it is, doing those things is part of what it means to be among God's people, and all of that is a gesture. It's a gesture of kindness, it's a gesture of compassion, gesture of generosity, of obedience. See all that is contained in the gesture? Well, Judas, of course, in this situation is trying to appear righteous, trying to appear like, hey, I I know what's going on here. He tries to be righteous. Hey, we could have taken that expensive thing, sold it, and given it to the poor. But John, in his little kind of narrator way of telling the Scripture, helps us to see that Judas is greedy. He's a thief. (laughs) If they had taken that, if they had done that, if they had sold it and put that money in the bag, guess what? He would have helped himself to that. And we know that Jesus was betrayed by Judas because Judas was given money. Oh yeah, he's, he's not so holy. He's trying to appear that way, but he is not. So that's, that's an important part of all this, of this scripture passage. But we've got to back up to talk about that gesture of Mary. That gesture that she has experienced restoration in her life through the grace of God. And so she does this gesture of anointing Jesus' feet with this expensive perfume. Now, one thing we need to know is, is perfume, that it's the way it's used here. Uh, perfume in the ancient world wasn't like, the, like we think of with perfume, the, you know, the little spray bottles or the, you know, it wasn't that. It was what we would think of as essential oils. I mean, you can buy some of the very things that are mentioned in the Bible as essential oils. And, and I'm no expert on this, but, uh, but I think I know that when you are using those diffusers and you're going to put essential oil in there, it's just a drop or two, right? Yeah, so imagine a whole bottle poured out. Wow, that would just be over an overwhelming experience. So, John Collette connects dots when he writes his gospel, always connecting dots. So this imagining this scene of, of Mary pouring the expensive perfumed oil on Jesus' feet and then using her own hair to wipe his feet. We don't have to read much further to get into the next chapter where we see Jesus inviting his disciples to come in. It's going to be what we call the Last Supper, but before they do that, he's got a wash basin and a towel and says, I'm going to wash your feet and dry them with the towel as an act of humility, an act of servanthood, a gesture of servanthood. And now Mary has done that before Jesus, before he's done it for his disciples. She's done it. That In a sense, we see that Mary kind of gets it. Mary sees where this is going, and she's already doing the things that she understands are going to unfold as time goes forward. Now, 
she anointed his feet. And we, uh, anointing is something we're not, we don't do, talk about much. Uh, anointing is still done in some ways. Uh, in, in the ancient world, it was done. They would use that oil uh, in uh, sometimes three different ways. One was for someone who was a, it was a coronation for someone becoming royalty. And they would anoint them. You might remember, Samuel did this for David. When, when God led him to David to say, this will be the king of Israel, and Saul, Samuel anointed David as a sign. Put that oil on his head as a sign, a gesture. You will be king. The other, another one is when somebody was very, very ill, and they would anoint them and pray for them, pray for healing. Or the, uh, the third one was in death, that when a person died, they would sometimes anoint them with oil in death. And so Mary has done that for Jesus. In some ways, I guess you could say, so she's anointing him King Jesus. And also the Jesus who will suffer and die. But we shouldn't be surprised that Mary gets it, right? We shouldn't be surprised because this is the same. Now, Mary is a pretty common name in the Bible, right? You have to make sure you're clear on which Mary you're talking about. Mary is a very common name, right, Mary? Yes, Yes, my Mary nods her head, yes. It's a very common name. This is the same Mary as Martha's sister, right? From Luke chapter 10, when, when Jesus and disciples were there, and they were going to have a dinner, and so Martha is busy, 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 and Mary's just sitting there listening to Jesus. And Martha gets mad, says, Jesus, tell my sister to help me. And he says, Martha, you're distracted by many things, but Mary has chosen what is true, what is good, what is important. You kind of get a sense already, Mary gets this, while others seem to be mystified about Jesus. So it's that Mary. She gets it. But she probably had some of her own struggles in the chapter before, in chapter 11 of of John, because what happens there? Jesus gets word that his friend Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, is direly ill and near death. Jesus is delayed getting there, and so when he finally gets there, he's already died. And they are mourning his death. And he's actually already buried. And Jesus says, take me to his tomb, which was always kind of in a cave. They'd they'd carve these out of rock. Take me to the tomb and and get there. And he says, roll the stone away. And they they said, oh, Jesus, he's been dead four days. The stench will be unbearable. Because we sometimes forget in our very antiseptic world we live in today, that life has some sights and smells that can be pretty powerful. The stench will be unbearable. Jesus says, that's okay, unroll the the, the stone away. And Jesus steps in and calls for Lazarus, and Lazarus comes out. Now you see John connecting dots again, connecting, this is a gesture that shows that Jesus himself will be in a tomb, expected to stay there forever. And he comes out of that tomb alive. He's resurrected Lazarus. And so what do they do? They're so joyful at how, how all this is happening. Well, they gather around for dinner. They gather around for dinner, which is often a gesture of hospitality, a gesture of friendship, a gesture of, of be, coming together when maybe sometimes you're not so together. So they have dinner. And it's at that dinner that she takes that expensive perfume worth a year's wages, that bottle of essential oil, and just pours it out. 
I'm sure that aroma was overwhelming. Well, on a regular basis, you and I have a meal together. We have this meal that Jesus shared with his disciples. This meal that he makes possible by his death and his resurrection and said, do this, have this meal together, and remember me. And so we gather for a meal. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for uh, the gift of love that you extend to us through Jesus Christ. We, we are grateful for the many, many gestures of, of love and forgiveness and care and compassion that we have experienced in life. And we pray that in the gestures that we offer to others, that they see and experience your love through that gesture. So God, in this time, as we come together for this meal, we pray your blessing on us as we remember Jesus, who gave it all for us. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.